Welcome, this is Brenda from the Homestead Connection, and today I have on the line with me Stephanie, one of our core contributors. We will be discussing one of the common misconceptions of homesteading, the idea that we have to do everything all on our own as homesteaders. While self-sufficiency is important, it's not truly possible, and that is where community sufficiency comes into play. In this podcast, we will be diving into what community sufficiency is and how it is an easily accessible step to the homesteading life. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. I think this is the first time we've spoken since our very first opportunity to record together. Before we get started, tell us a little bit about your homestead. Okay. Well, um, I am in Texas and we have just under three acres with chickens and goats. Um, the chickens are primarily layers, uh, with the exception of any roosters that end up hatching. Um, and then as far as the goats go, uh, we primarily got into goats just for breeding and selling the offspring. Um, and never really went down the venture of doing the dairy and making the cheeses and all of that. So we've been going back and forth on if we want to remove the goats from the homestead and focus on expanding more food production. Um, if we did that, it would be mainly like fruit orchards um, and just kind of creating, for lack of a better term, a food forest on the back half of the property. Um, and doing that. So we're, we're trying to figure out if that's the route we want to go or continue on with breeding, but kind of lend more into doing the dairy with the goats. Um, it's just hard because working full time <laughs> outside the home, um, being employed outside the home, but working from home, uh, it, it's hard because then that's a whole other thing that's going to be taking up time that you have to kind of fit into your schedule and and all of that so that's that's part of the the deciding factor <laughs> i hear you i have no idea like what does it take to milk a goat like i know what it takes to milk a cow and this is probably like a, a stupid question on my part but what, i mean how often do you have to milk a, a goat do you have any idea or have you never even like laid hands on one to try so we have milked before um when we have kids that either the mom rejects or they're just not eating um, or not able to figure it out. We obviously try to get a colostrum in them as soon as possible. So we'll try and milk um, pretty much as soon as they're born if we're seeing that they're not communicating and connecting. Um, mm -hmm. And then from from that point on, we try to do as much milking to put it in the bottles to feed them. Um, so that we don't have to deal with milk replacement because <laughs> that can get expensive. Yeah. Um, sure. So it, it's going to depend on the breed that you have. Same thing with cows as far as what their milk production is going to be. Um, ours are Nubian and boar mixed. So it's a dairy goat mixed with a meat goat. Um, and Nubians have a higher like butter fat content. Um, I would oh, I say... If I had to guess, like the highest production is maybe a gallon a day and we would only, well, we would milk twice a day, um, but it would be, a, the our heaviest milker would be a gallon for that day. 
Huh. Wow, that's fascinating. And so you're you're literally deciding to possibly shift a portion of your your acreage from goat production to a food forest, which is right up my alley. We started one of those in Florida before we left. So I think my brother has like four mangoes now. He's got a couple of um, soursop and yeah, cherries and Barbados cherries and all that kind of stuff. So I, I love the food forest idea and it's pretty hands off. So that, that would be good for the working full time too. Do you have any plan, plans from an orchard perspective, what you're looking into doing? Not fully. We, I guess, once we decide which route we're going to go, we'll kind of, you know, dig that out of the trenches. But <laughs> um, I know, <laughs> I know for sure peaches and plums, other than that, I don't know. I would love mm. to get some maples or even put, we have pecans oh, and yeah. oaks already on the property. Um, and I would mind adding other, either more pecans and oaks um, or other nut trees. So what would you do? I mean, if the if the goats are, I mean, it sounds like you you sell them, so they're a bartering source or a stream of income for you. And if you move to the trees, what would you do to replace that stream of income or that bartering source? Like, how do you? It sounds like you have good eggs. You'd have mm -hmm. milk if you wanted it, but you you don't need that or require it necessarily. So how do you fill your farm? Uh, with the things or how do you fill your kitchen i should say with the things that you don't necessarily create at home so if we were to do the food forest um anything that we would harvest mm -hmm. we would obviously put away some of that and then we we have a family friend um who passed away last year but he had i want to say he only had like a handful like five maybe eight peach trees and he would make three-fourths of his yearly income in just the summer harvest from the peach trees. What? Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that obviously selling <laughs> the, yeah. uh, the overstock. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. We, um, I, I don't know. I, I, so I do, you know, I've got like just a small urban farm or homestead, I should say. It's not really a farm, but it's just, ducks and chickens, but I am trying my best to get out of the grocery store completely. Do you, wh what do you do? Do you use, um, do you use like farmer's markets or any, anything mm -hmm. of that nature? Or how do you, how do you find people around you that are like-minded? So we have a farmer's market every week, um, in the closest town to us. And then, um, there's a couple others that are like once a month kind of in our area. As far as like our meat and stuff, most of our meat comes from either fish that we catch or deer that we shoot. Um, and that is mm -hmm. our main meat source. Um, if I do have to get chicken and we don't have anything either canned or in the freezer, then I will resort to the grocery store. But obviously looking at what the best option is <laughs> in the grocery store we have a place um mm. that is actually about to open in the town closest to us um and i don't know exactly how it's all going to work but essentially it is a butcher 
I guess, a butcher shop that is partnered with farmers in the surrounding towns to Uh where, I guess, they purchase the meat, process it, and then sell it to the consumer. Um, But it's the way it looks like is it's going to be kind of set up as a -hmm. grocery store and, you know, be labeled with what farm it came from, all that cool information and, and all of that. It's a little bit closer to the food. At least it's in your same area. That's really cool. And I'm sorry, forgive me. Did you say you do meat birds or no? Do you do, have you gotten into the chicken thing yet? I can't remember. We we have not gotten into the meat birds. Um, it's a big debate. We Honestly, we don't eat a whole lot of chicken. I guess if we had mm-hmm. more of it, we would, but I, we don't, we don't eat a whole lot of chicken. Well, no, choose that between that and venison. I'd choose venison hands down every day too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got my first duck egg actually today from the two adult ducks that I, yeah, that, that we rescued the other day or didn't rescue. We just got them from a friend and we got our very first duck egg and I feel really good about the eggs. Actually, I'm in a kind of a, a state of flux right now. So there's a farm that's, it's kind of far away from me. It's 40 minutes away, but it's worth the drive on a Tuesday. And that's where I pick up my milk and, and she does seasonal pork. And then she also sells eggs, which hopefully I won't need to buy her eggs anymore. Not because they're not wonderful, they are, but because I've got a gazillion chickens living rent-free in my backyard and they need to start laying. Um, but, <laughs> but I just, I really like not having, you know, not having to go to the grocery store for those things. The meat is probably what bothers me the most because of the way the animals are handled and how important it is to me that, to, that they're having the correct nutrition and the correct lifestyle, you know, because I think that that translates into the food. But beef is so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have not made the decision to... Uh, to buy a quarter of a cow or a half a cow yet because it's so stinking expensive. Which that's also another thing we've been tossing around. If the goats leave, do we want to get cows or do we want to go with a food forest? So, Do you have a lot of ranches around you or any a lot of farms? I would assume, you know, long growing seasons in, in Texas, there's got to be good stuff around you. Do you guys do like strawberry picking or blueberry picking or any of that stuff? Yeah, so we have... There's a couple of strawberry farms around us. There is a blueberry farm. Um, There's also, they're not technically certified, but they use all of the organic growing practices. Um, They have a, I want to say they're only, let me back up. They are a CSA based farm that grow organically but they also offer, I know it's strawberries and there's something else that you can come and pick yourself from that farm as well. Um, and then pretty much all of our neighbors have cows. <laughs> um, most of them are beef cows. Um, I, You would have to go about 45 minutes northeast of us to get to your more like dairy production herds. Um, most of what's in our area is beef production. So what's on your wish list of things to outsource? 
do you have anything that like you're really into or that you've really wanted? I mean, like if the if if the dollar fell tomorrow, what would you what would you barter? Like how would you work that out? Yeah. Yeah. No, our I think our main downfall is not having an alternative water source. Um, we've talked about adding a pond. We've talked about collecting rainwater, which we can collect as much as we want here in Texas. Um, so I know some states that's different, but here in Texas, we can collect as much as we want. Um, but we don't have a water source on the property to dig a well is going to be too expensive they're too deep um and that's if you even hit water so we do have neighbors that do have ponds multiple neighbors that have ponds <laughs> um so in my mind the the most dire thing that we would need would be water oh my gosh that's like i didn't even consider that i'm thinking yeah, I, I'm thinking food because that's just always where my head is. But I didn't even consider yeah. water and trading that for other resources that you have. That's huge. If you don't have it, you have to get it from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, nobody can make water. You know, you can grow food. Right, point, right. You know, but water, that is so interesting. Those people that have wells or have ponds or, or have gotten good at collecting water, they're going to they've really got liquid gold. I never even considered that. And being mm -hmm. here in Colorado, you cannot collect. Well, they just changed that. You can collect water, but it's somewhat controlled. So we have to, of course, I'll be bending the rules for that like I do everything, but you can, you can, <laughs> you can do it off of the spouts, downspouts in your, off your house. You cannot do it anywhere else. So you can't just set out some sort of water collection place you know it has to be off of the water oh, spouts wow. in your house can it be off of another structure like if you had gutters for your chicken coop or a shed or anything like that nope wow nope has to be your main house wow yeah very interesting now i happen to have a lot of gutters off of this house so when we'll just add more you know I'll figure it out. I mean you're but. still going to get the same amount of amount of water yeah because it goes off of like your square footage of your roof and how much I can catch. But I mean, Start building the roof out, have make a house. massive roof. Right, right. <laughs> Put an awning. <laughs> so yeah, we have the house, we have the shop, we have two barns and we have a shed. And that's before we have to build some type of a structure just to catch water. So mm -hmm. that's crazy. Only yeah. off of the house. I guess people don't want tiny houses, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. You just keep on expanding your roof and that would be a way to do it. We have a river, a pretty yeah. decent sized river and actually a water source that's like two miles that way. But I, I sit here sometimes and think about it. How would I get water from there to here? So carting water from, from two miles away is not going to be feasible, huh? No, no, not <laughs> going to be feasible whatsoever. I, uh... So my thing, like you live in Colorado, how much do y'all, I'm assuming y'all get a lot of stuff, yes. right? Yes. So during the winter, could you not harvest uh, snow, melt it, and then can it? That'd be a lot of cans. And have canned water. That would be a lot of cans. But so what do you think like how if somebody wanted to because you know in these first couple of podcasts 
we're really talking about, so the, the first podcast I think we had was somewhere around like changing your mindset and starting to think from like a more homesteading perspective, which is really true, right? <clears throat> As opposed to going to the grocery store and depending on that, now you're trying to think of how to create those things. So from our perspective around self-sufficiency and community sufficiency, like where do you think people should get started? Like, How did you get started with community sufficiency and self-sufficiency? Um, I guess not intentionally, um, what do you mean not intentionally? You didn't intentionally decide? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess my brain wasn't recognizing that that's what I was doing. Uh -huh. um, just other people, you know, from a friend of mine who starts a ton of plants for the garden every spring and ends up giving me like a quarter of them <laughs> to my husband's uncle who ha keeps bees and does his own honey and all of that um, to the people a couple towns over that have bees as well but they also make uh, stuff out of the beeswax and sell that as well as the honey and, and all of that you know just seeing things that I wanted mm -hmm. and trading or just purchasing it. Um, you know, I just, I have a strong desire to support local small businesses or just local people that I know, um, you know, that they have that resource and I want it obviously I'm going to offer my money or I'm going to bake them a loaf of sourdough bread or give them a dozen eggs or whatever it is for a jar of honey or um, a couple of beeswax candles, different, different things like that, you know, just kind of looking and seeing what I have that I have in abundance that I can trade for something that they may have in abundance um, and just kind of help each other out. I didn't even think about sourdough because that is a labor of love. And sometimes you just want to mm -hmm. skip to the eating part, you know. It's really cool they make beeswax candles. I wonder how hard that is. I've never tried. Um, I mean, I've, I haven't done it, but I've read about it and I've watched videos and it seems fairly simple. <laughs> what would you trade for water? Back to like the water conversation. Um, I mean, it doesn't even have to be tangible things like you could trade work for them. But me personally, I guess would either be baked goods or like a jar or two or three of canned goods. I mean, and really it comes down to just kind of communicating with, with your neighbors. Um, that way, A, you know what they have to offer um, and what you can offer to them. I mean, there's, there's, so, there's so many different things that you don't necessarily think about trading with um, that are out there. You know, I, I, and I'm, I mean, I make jokes, but I seriously think that everybody that's probably in, on my street or even on my block, they probably just go to work and come home, you know, so it'd be kind of interesting 
to see, you know, if people had that quiet space in their head, what they would what they would get good at, you know, what are they passionate yeah. about? Because baking bread, by the way, is a labor of love and you better like doing it. <laughs> you got a little monster you got to keep on your countertop and feed every day. That alone. <laughs> uh-huh. You got to keep them happy. <laughs> Which I'm now going on two months. You'll be very proud of me. Two months of keeping my little monster alive. I'm very proud. Nice. <laughs> nice. I know. Did you see that I had to dump mine? No, I missed that. Why'd you do that? What happened? Did you cook it? No. I, obviously, it's spring here and bugs. So oh. we had gnats in the house and they got into my sourdough starter oh. and there was larva. So I, oh. I, I was going to try and save it because I just saw like the gnat flying around. I was like, well, maybe it'll be fine. You know, just kind of discard half and yeah, keep yeah going but then i saw the larva and i was like oh there's oh. no way i'm even gonna try to save this so uh i have i do have dried uh um, oh, discard from from my starter that i will reconstitute <laughs> soon i dried some of my sourdough the day that kylie said she cooked hers in the oven on accident by trying to warm it up yeah i dried some of mine and that's another thing you could dry out your starter and you could trade your starter and somebody else could have their own sourdough. that's true that's very true that's so that's what i want to do for christmas gifts quite frankly is give out mm -hmm. sourdough starter like here now you have your very own monster <laughs> yeah you feed it <laughs> And, you know, not I mean, I guess it could work in my area, but while you were talking about, you know, your neighbors going to work and then just coming home and how if everyone could do one thing, you could literally you know, like, you know how you have the community gardens, mm -hmm. you could have a community slash neighborhood farm where somebody raises the chickens, somebody does the gardening, somebody does I don't know, <laughs> um, but where everybody kind of does their part and y'all all split everything. Yeah. And I think that that's the way that communities used to function. I mm -hmm. was talking, so we have five fam. I, I can see five different houses from my backyard, which, you know, I'm antisocial enough that it gives me a little bit of anxiety <laughs> every time I walk outside. But I've, I've said to Rob, I was like, if we could just knock down all of the yeah. fences and and plow up all of mm -hmm. the grass we really could do exactly what you're saying we could raise two three cows on that because everybody's got you know anywhere from a quarter to a third of an acre so just in these five six houses that i can see you know six including mine we would be able to have you know a cow or goats or some some sort of meat producing animal you know and, and a very nice garden but people are more interested in grass you know and then they kill the dandelions and I'm like, you do realize you can eat those oh. <laughs> and they're medicinal. Yeah. Not to mention it's great for the pollinators. Cause that's the first flower that's that right. comes up. In that's the right. My bees are all over them, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think that people are getting closer though. I think people are starting to become more and more interested in that. Um, it's just, they, then them becoming empowered to figure out that they can produce something themselves as well you know yeah it's kind of it's almost like they they have an unidentified yearning for to do something they just don't know what to do or how mm -hmm. to do it exactly and or they're afraid to start you know like they don't want to mm -hmm. mess it up and it's like oh no you're gonna fail over and over and over yes. again that's the fun of it yeah <laughs> maybe we're 
and then eventually you'll get it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we're just gluttons for punishment. I don't know. I don't know if that's that's what it is or I don't I I would call it knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> More so what not to do. <laughs> Yeah, what's that saying? Like I've learned, I have not failed. I've just learned a thousand different ways to not do something, or how, however that yes. goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's extremely empowering. I'm taking my first canning class this weekend, and I'm going to learn how to can. You know, and then I'm just going to keep mm -hmm. expanding from there. And every single thing I learn to do by myself is, you know, give leads to more confidence. Yeah. Um, but I can't do it all. So, yeah. Yeah. And to your point, like we, we can't do it all. Um, and maybe that's just for a season to where you have to supplement. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, I do have the space for it, but I don't have a cow. So if I wanted steaks or some burger, I mean, yes, I have the deer, but it's not necessary. It doesn't have the right fat content to have like a thick, juicy cheeseburger. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nope, it does so, not. <laughs> you've got to find whether that's going to the grocery store and trusting those labels, which I am sure they are telling the truth on those labels. But oh, sure. <laughs> you know, I would feel more comfortable supporting a, a local farmer and see that cow, you know, um, and know that they're eating fresh grass and, you know, getting sunshine and out in the rain and, and all of, all of that living that happy life. Yeah. So Stephanie, it's been really great catching up with you and learning more about your farm and your homestead and what you, you know, do to supply nutritious food to your family. What are some guidelines or some suggestions that you would have for others that are interested in maybe homesteading or becoming more community sufficient? Um, like where can they get started? Just take one step at a time. You don't have to drop everything that you've been doing. So pick one thing and replace it or work on replacing it. Um, that could be your getting your meats from the grocery store. You could find either local farms or check out your farmer's market to see what, what that has to offer as far as, you know, meat production. Um, maybe you can get contacts from your, your farmer's market for, different farms to check out for chicken or goat or lamb or cow um, and kind of go that route because uh, it's going to be easier on you <laughs> if you just focus on one thing at a time so you don't get overwhelmed. If I could recommend one resource for anyone to get, it would be Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. That is an amazing book that is chock full of amazing information, resources to find different things um, like raw milk, or um, there's a, a website um, through westonaprice.org, and they have links on their website to find uh, like local food chapters. And uh, I believe every state has a chapter. I could be wrong. Um, but you can go in, look for your state, and then 
find the area that's closest to you and they have a chapter leader listed on there for you to either email or call um and they have already kind of done the legwork for you to find different farms that supply different things um and then realmilk.com to find raw milk a lot of what's in my area is goat milk um I've only got a couple options for, for cow milk, but um, I mean, that's just going to depend on your area. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned raw milk. So I did not know anything about the Weston A. Price website. I was completely ignorant there. I bought that book, but had not dove all the way into it. So I just happened mm -hmm. to be on Instagram and wanting to surround myself with people that had that mindset. And I found Mountain Dog Farm, and believe it or not, she had a bartering post, like a, a reel, you know, on Instagram, and it was Let's Barter. And so I put my location in there and oh, wow. said, you know, I, this is what I'm looking for. I've never had raw milk before. I'm insanely curious about it. And um, another lady popped up, and she has a farm just 40 minutes away from me. And she was, yeah, and she was like, I do eggs, I do seasonal pork, um, and I have raw milk. If you would be interested when my cow calves, I'll go ahead and put you on my waiting list and reach out. And so maybe a month later, uh, she reached out to me, and now I have this wonderful acquaintance and friendship building, and I get to go mm -hmm. out there, and, you know, I can see the cows and the chickens, and, you know, I know exactly where my food is coming from, and she, yeah. you know, and I don't have to worry about trying to do that on my my small little piece of land. You know, I'm only on a third of an acre. So no matter what, even a goat, I couldn't even do a goat just with how small my backyard is. So it's a great way for me to get out of the grocery store and, and into the farms. And I ended up doing the same thing with my beef as well. I was at a farmer's market, much like what you were saying, and they were talking to me and I um, bought some beef and then got a um, you know, got a business card and there you go. Now I've got my beef coming from a farm that's, you know, a little bit further west of me. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty interesting how as soon, at least for me, as soon as I put that out there that I was interested in it, there's such a wealth of resources. And quite backwards from that, I then learned about Weston A. Mm -hmm. Price and then went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> So it's uh, it's uh, it's kind of interesting how there's little, you know, no matter, I mean, and I'm not, I'm five, 10, maybe 15 minutes away from a big city, you know, and so I didn't have to go that far to find, <clears throat> excuse me, to find food, you know, that was not sourced through the grocery mm -hmm. store. Yeah. And I mean, another resource is Google. <laughs> you can just Google, oh, yeah. you know, look search for different farmers markets in different towns um sometimes it's like the county that puts it on as well um so you could just search for farmers markets or if you're looking for you know raw milk um i have found a couple other dairies that were not on rawmilk.com through google um and then of course contacting them to figure out if it's goat milk or sheep milk or cow milk or whatever it is um to obviously add that to my list, <laughs> but you know, Google, um, if you're on Facebook, Facebook is a great place to, to kind of find those resources as well. Um, for farmers markets, um, even I guess bartering and stuff on, you know, 
on Facebook, you can do a post and say, hey, I've got this. We'll trade for, I don't know, I've got a dozen eggs and I'll trade for a jar of honey or <laughs> um and then finding CSAs, which are community-supported agriculture. Um, most of the time, it's a farm, um, and you kind of buy into that farm or, like, the produce. Um, you can buy into um, – didn't – was it you that had a uh, herd share, or were you looking into doing that? I was looking into doing – well, I have a herd share for my milk. So I do, Okay. yeah, yeah that's what I do for my milk. Um, and I'm thinking about increasing it because it's so good and my kids love it so much that, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of think I need to go in a little bit more, but I want to do a cow share for like for beef, you know, like that's the, mm -hmm. that's the whole, I haven't, I haven't done that just yet. I buy my beef from the ranch, but pretty soon I'm going to do it and I'm going to get a whole half of a cow and try and figure out where to put that in my freezer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what what resources you have in your area, but around here, it is very hard to find someone who does grass fed and grass finished. Most of the time they will grain finish to get the really nice marbling uh, on the meats, especially for your steaks. So they're that really pretty marble that everyone goes after. Mm. And it's it's really hard to find somebody that does grass fed and grass finish yeah. um, because of that. And also the grain is what beefs them up quicker coming up to butcher time. So if they only do the grass, then it's going to be a further out butchering time and then they're having to feed them more. So maybe, I don't know, we're kind of tossing around the idea of maybe partnering with a farmer um, to raise the cow up to a certain point and then purchasing the cow from there and kind of finishing it out on grass. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few grass fed finished, grass fed, grass finished here. And you're going to get me on a whole tangent around cows because that's what my family did for a very, very long time. And in the nineties, they started to do the grain fed more and more, you know, predominantly. And so mm -hmm. our grass fed, grass finished cows actually took less value for yeah. their for you know for the pound on hoof because of the fact that they were grass fed grass finished but it really is good for you and now that same beef is sold at a premium and it's very very hard to find i'm i'm very yes. lucky i've got two ranches um within like two hours of me that that both um do grass fed grass finished their regenerative farming re regenerative mm -hmm. land and then they um and they will ship so i don't even have to drive up there i can they also oh. do farm to table which i want to do at some point i want to you know oh, head, that's awesome yeah and kind of like hang out there and see the animals and all of that stuff but um we just haven't gotten the chance to do it yet but it is not inexpensive you know so i guess what i would say is that if you're looking for a place to start maybe beef is not the first place to go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be but you know it could be that's like their main focus, the main thing they want to focus on. Yeah. Well, and it is so. cheaper by the pound and you do get better cuts and more cuts when you do it. It's just a bit of an investment and it, it very much depends on where you are. Um, and mm -hmm. if, you know, if the grain is non-GMO, there's a lot of different reasons and ways that you can make the grain more healthy. You just got to, that's, that's the nice thing about it is you get to look at the farms around you and really get to know the ranchers and get to know the people and then decide what works best for you 
and for your budget and for your family. Um, there's yeah. no one size fits all. And I think from a societal perspective, we have to kind of get out of that because we literally just go to the grocery store and we take and we consume whatever is there. But there's a whole, I always think of the carrots, you know, like orange carrots became popular, but really there's so many different colors of carrots. You've got white carrots mm -hmm. and purple carrots and yellow carrots and all different kinds. But because of, I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, that we've moved only to orange carrots. And so that, that color palette has been, and, and that, that resource has actually kind of been stunted from its, you know, availability because of that. So, I, you know, just breaking out of that, I think, and starting to educate yourself about the ranches and farms around you. I, I to me, that's the first, that, that opens a whole door, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and buckle up because it gets crazy. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, to, to the point of, you know, it, it's the expense up front. I mean, really just look at it as you're buying your meat in bulk. Mm -hmm. um, just like if you buy a 50 pound bag of flour or sugar or salt or whatever, obviously that's going to be a bigger expense all at one time. But if you t compare what you paid for 50 pounds for what you would pay of a five pound bag of flour individually to get you to 50 pounds, you are saving money if you just buy it in bulk. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. It's just budgeting that way, you know, and I think that mm -hmm. that's a whole nother mindset for people too. It's not yeah. instant gratification, you know, um, so you do have to kind of think about it. Like I think for the half a cow, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I want to say it's somewhere around 2300 to $2,500. It's expensive, mm -hmm. you know, but you're getting hundreds of pounds of beef. And as long as you have a place to store it, it's really good quality beef and you can go see it. You can go see it walking around on its grass and its happy little yeah. environment. So, you know, that the cow has been happy and, and led a full life. So, mm -hmm. and you get a variety of different cuts as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Things that you didn't even know about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and all the soup bones and the bone broth bones and all mm -hmm. of that stuff. It's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with me. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with before we sign off? Take it one step at a time. Um, you know, kind of evaluate what what you hold as your values, whether that's, you know, grass-fed, grass-finished beef or raw milk or, you know, just making your own bread. Um, you know, just just pick one thing and focus on that and then continue to build on that as you go. Yeah, no, that's, that's really great. And through that, you get to know other people and, you know, your community grows around you and everybody becomes stronger for it. So mm -hmm. I truly, truly appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on with me. And I look forward to our next opportunity to speak. And until next time, this has been the Homestead Connection. Thank you. Bye.